0: really the first step to self-love is to strive for self-acceptance it can be really powerful to love things that you're not responsible for like yeah you know like the color of your eyes like mm-hmm. you had nothing to I do with that it. Yeah. right and or like i love my smile or i love the shape of my nose or i love the way my toes curl when i laugh the smallest details but if you can just find something to love about yourself it, it starts that positive <laughs> momentum We're talking all things personal development, including health, fitness, confidence, relationships, and so much more. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's jump into today's episode. Listening to episode number 64 of the Grind and Be Grateful podcast. This week, I'm playing musical chairs with the mic, and I'm sharing the episode I recorded with Liz Sandoz on her podcast, Miraculous Mamas, a couple months ago. You guys probably remember Liz from episode number 56, and for any of my Bachelor Nation fans out there, Liz was actually on Nick Biles' season of The Bachelor, so you might know her from that as well. A couple months ago, Liz was in my home while we recorded this episode, and on On her show, she made me feel super at home behind the mic. You guys usually hear me as an interviewer, and this time I was the interviewee. We went deep into my own personal development journey, my own confidence journey, body image journey, and you have heard me talk all about the coat of armor I used to wear. And in this episode, we will rewind all the way back to my childhood days of even feeling self-conscious in my body, all the way back to like elementary school, my unfulfilling and unhappy journey to the non-existent land of destination happiness, and then what it took to finally reach for goals like self-acceptance and self-love instead of diets, competitions, and a life of insecurity. I know you're gonna get so much out of this episode. There's something really special about letting you in on the conversation when I'm sharing my own stories rather than asking the questions, and I know it's gonna give you some incredible insights into how you can cultivate confidence, choose self-love, and start enjoying the journey today. I'm actually coming to you guys from my hotel room in Rome, Italy, so I'm going to keep this short. We are going to resume the review of the week next week as soon as I'm back home in Austin, Texas, but I hope you guys love this episode, and as always, we super appreciate reviews on iTunes as well as shares on instagram feel free to just take a screenshot of you tuning in post it up on your instagram stories so that i can see it liz can see it we can show you guys some love repost you say thanks for listening and without further ado let's get into the episode
1: All right, everyone, welcome back to the Miraculous Mamas podcast. I'm super excited for today's episode. I'm sitting here with Marie Wold. I actually get to do an interview in person, which is awesome. I'm at her place in Austin. It is toasty. It is. It is. And it doesn't help that I already get armpit sweat when I interview so.
0: (laughs) Relatable. So, so relatable. It
1: is. Um, but yeah, I'm super excited to have her on. Um, she's going to bring a different perspective for us today. Uh, and I love the episodes where we talk about transformation and self-love and that is what she does. Yeah. So we'll, we'll start at the beginning with you. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got to where you are today
0: cool. So my name is Marie Wold. I am 24, although I feel like a very old soul. So I don't, I don't feel like I identify with 24 sometimes, Mm -hmm. but, um, I'm a women's transformation coach. And what that basically means is I help women use health and fitness and movement and nutrition and mindset to transform their lives. And I like to say that it's, it's from the inside out because so much of the work that I do with women is about their mindset and how they look at themselves and, um, why they're setting the goals that they set and how they're going about it. And so, um, I mean, I guess the most general label that you could put on is I'm like a fit, an online fitness coach, mm-hmm. but I feel like the work that I do goes so far beyond giving people a workout program and a nutrition plan to follow because in my journey, I learned that it's so much more than that. Yeah. Um, and becoming and like realizing your potential is so much more than just numbers or following a plan. So that is what I do. I am also a content creator slash influencer and I have my own podcast, but I got here through a a long series of events that um, started with, well, why I'm passionate about what I do now is I started being very aware of... My body and my appearance, and very self conscious of those things from a very young age. Where I don't think a lot of other Mm. girls had the same experience where they were like concerned about what their stomach looked like in elementary school. Like, I can literally remember times in like maybe like second grade where I was like, Oh, does my stomach look like big compared to my friends? or like worrying that like I wore a bigger size than my friends or that I like ate more than them at lunch or things like that. Like, I just remember being so hyper aware of that stuff from such a young age and part of me it's I'm like really sad for my childhood self because there was a lot of like headspace taken up by those thoughts when so many kids like the way it should be is they should be carefree and like just be you know in the moment and being a kid and not worrying about how much they ate or what they look like or anything like that but I just remember being very insecure and very hyper-aware of those things from a a young age. And so as I got older, um, social media started becoming more of a thing, like going into high school. Um, And so I was being exposed to all these images of... And back then, that was like, you know, the like 2010 era yeah. um and so the look like now it's more like curvy and like yes yeah, so like a tiny waist but like a butt and women mm-hmm. th- like a different i guess more similar to my shape is like what's celebrated now um so i i do recognize that that's like a, a form of privilege but back then the accepted and Desired shape was like long thin legs and a thigh gap and like very dainty and that's so not me like I'm very athletic. I'm naturally more curvy and so I, I was seeing all these images of girls who were being praised for how they look and I looked nothing like them. And so I became determined to become like them. And I'm someone who like words of affirmation are one of my love languages, yeah. right? And so like being approved of and being accepted um, are really important to me. So I was like, okay, well those are the people that are being approved of and accepted. Um, so that's how I need to look. And I don't think it was that conscious back then, but now I have right, more right. self-awareness and like the language to know what what was going on, but I really started, um, being very strict about my nutrition and like only eating clean and like running. And by the way, I hate running, but I ran like every day because I thought that that was what would like make me look the way I wanted. Mm -hmm. And that, that really consumed me and it was coming from a very negative place. And I wouldn't go so far as to say that I had an eating disorder because I was never diagnosed and I don't take that lightly, but I definitely had a disordered relationship with food in my body and again, it just took up so much of my bandwidth mentally, so much of my bandwidth physically. I lost out on a lot of like memories and experiences yeah. just because that was so at the forefront of my mind. And that's something that you talked about with like traveling and stuff that you you felt like you were so wrapped up in your eating disorder. And it was frustrating because you were in these beautiful places yeah. and like still thinking about that. And so I can really, I can relate to that. Um, and I... Eventually, it, it took a lot of different forms. Eventually, it took the form of me um, becoming a bikini competitor, and I thought because I was trying to build muscle and like be strong that that didn't count as like a way of trying to fix myself anymore, right. <laughs> even though it totally was. Um, so I went through a lot of different stages where I was trying to be very thin, and then I was trying to be a bikini competitor, and then I was trying to be a powerlifter, and I was just chasing all these different like, physical accomplishments thinking that they would make me happy or make me confident or, um, make me accepted or make me feel secure in my body. And it never worked. It was like the destination happiness thing of like, I'll be happy, confident, Mm -hmm. liked, whatever, when X, Y, Z. And the finish line just keeps moving every time you make it to the finish line. Um, and so eventually I was like, what the heck am I doing? Like clearly something is not right because I keep achieving things and like i'm an achiever like my enneagram type is three so i'm an achiever i love Mm -hmm. praise i love like checking things off my to-do list and i kept doing that but it wasn't satisfying and it wasn't giving me a feeling of accomplishment and it wasn't giving me the confidence or the happiness that i was looking for so i was like okay clearly like definition of insanity is like doing the same Mm -hmm. thing expecting a different result yet here i am and so i was like okay i guess i need to do something differently and so that's when i really dove into personal development and figuring out that you have to actually love yourself first. And to tra- to truly transform and have it be something that is satisfying and brings you confidence, it's not about fixing the external, it's about like aligning the internal and then working from the inside out. And that doesn't mean that you can't like want to change yourself physically, right. but the love or at least acceptance needs to come first rather than the other way around. And so that's what made me super passionate about becoming a transformation coach, um, and helping other women do the same because I know that I'm not alone in that, in that belief that if I accomplish X, Y, Z, I will finally feel mm-hmm. secure, confident, happy, whatever it is. Um, and so many women have gone through similar things and now they've realized that and they don't know where to begin because there's there's so many opinions, so many options for like how you should eat, how you should work right, out, right. how you should do everything. And so usually that's kind of the gateway of how I start working with women is like, they want to know those answers. Um, But then as we go deeper, we answer the like deeper questions. And really that's like the deeper work that we do and probably the most important work that we do.
1: Yeah. I mean, I know sometimes I've, I've worked out with trainers and stuff before and I kind of wanted to mindlessly go through it. So just tell me what to eat. Tell me what to whatever. Yeah. But I did have such an unhealthy relationship with food that I did have to
0: do some healing. Yeah.
1: you know and so that's awesome what you're doing because
0: nothing's one size fits all Mm -hmm. yeah it's so interesting like people will be like okay I just need to know like I just need more meal ideas or like I just need blank and you fill in the blank like I just need to know how to work out and it's like Yes, that's part of it. Like the logistics matter and like the science behind like how many calories you eat and like what your workouts look like, like all of those things matter. And that's all the stuff that I mastered first because Mm -hmm. I'm very much logistical. I'm very much a planner. And so those were all the things that I mastered. And even knowing those things still didn't make me happy or get me the results that I wanted. Um, Confident, like big picture wise, like, yes, I got like a bigger butt and a smaller waist and like biceps and abs and all that stuff but it i didn't feel fulfilled still so there was a missing piece and like i think we we tend to go surface level Mm -hmm. um and we think that if i just fixed this one thing or if i just knew this one thing but it's not always like an information problem
1: right Right, I mean, at least not an outside information problem, yeah, it's the information that you're telling yourself about yourself, mm-hmm. yes, when did you start to realize, I guess that health looks different on different people mm-hmm. and like what what that is
0: for you, yeah, yeah, I think it was I got a wake up call, so I finished my. Competitor career, I guess, as a bikini competitor um, after six shows. So I I dove into the competitive world. Head first. Like I had been following bikini competitors on Instagram. They look so cool. I loved how they were trying to be strong. And I I had known that I wanted to pursue that for a while, but I was also at the same time a college volleyball player. So I wanted to like ride that out and like do that. It's due diligence. Um, and eventually I did start competing and I got to the national stage. I got top fifteen at one point. And, um, I decided to quit competing because at one point I got top 15, I had won on like a more regional level as well. And I still like leaving the stage, I didn't feel like I had done enough. I didn't feel satisfied with that. I didn't feel happy. Um, and I also didn't feel like I necessarily wanted to do more. Like, you know that you're in the right place when, even when you don't succeed, you were excited to come back and try again. And yeah. I, I was not in that place. I was mm-hmm. like, thank God that's over kind of thing. And so I was like, okay, well, clearly as a competitive driven person, if I'm thinking that way, like this is not for me anymore. And so that was the start of like the wake up call phase that I went through. So I stopped competing. And at that point already my body was not responding the way it used to. I had to do a lot more, eat a lot less to get to like the, the look that I needed to be at to be competitive. And so I knew that my body was, was not necessarily happy. And so after that, I took, I mean, that was my last show, but I was like, okay, I'm taking at least like a year off of competing and we'll see what happens. And so at that point I was so mentally and physically burned out that I could hardly bring myself to work out. I had been diligently tracking my food every day for like two years. And I, could not even like look at my food scale <laughs> like i was so over it mm-hmm. um and naturally my body put on weight Um, But it was like past the point of what was reasonable and what like scientifically I knew what should be happening. Um, So I went to like a doctor and I went to a hormone specialist and I got diagnosed with an autoimmune disease called Hashimoto's, Mm -hmm. which affects the thyroid. And so that explained like the uncontrollable weight gain. And I was also dealing with um, like chronic fatigue and brain fog and depression and like just I was so apathetic about you know like people that I normally love to hang out with like asked me to do stuff and I'd be like I don't know or like my work that I love I just was not inspired by anymore and so I was a shell of myself um, and at that point I realized that health or that fitness competitions are very much not health competitions and right. I started seeing all of these other women who had experienced a similar thing like they had gotten to the height even they're like Miss Bikini Olympia which is like the Super Bowl for competing like she went through something similar as well and so a lot of people around that time started speaking up about how fitness competitions are not health competitions and a lot of the things that competitors have to do to get to the top or be successful is absolutely unhealthy um and so i was like okay well let's find out like what healthy looks like for me like what what does that mean and so i really committed myself to like i don't care what it takes i don't care how my body's gonna change i don't care what people aren't on social media are gonna think or at least i will try not to care right um i'm gonna heal myself and that kicked off like my healing journey and that was probably two and a half years now. Mm -hmm. Um, And since then, I've just gotten such a new respect for my body. And I've really learned that like healthy is not about the way that you look. It's about the way you take care of yourself and the way that you feel. Because I would so much rather have energy and have a clear mind and have interest in the things that I'm passionate about than have six pack abs. I certainly don't have six yeah. pack abs anymore, but like my quality of life is so much better. And when I was a competitor, it was, I would look kind of down on people who like didn't look very super fit or like Mm -hmm. didn't seem like they prioritized fitness because like how could you not want to like look your best how could you not want to like maximize every part of your life when in reality like I was not maximizing every part of my life like I was living very superficially trying to fill some sort of void of not approving of myself or not feeling like I had the confidence that I wanted and um, so I've learned that health really comes from the inside and Mm -hmm. it's not just the physical body's appearance you know like when when you open up a i think like women's health is a magazine right but like every woman on the cover of women's health is very thin and toned and like and it's like how to get abs in six weeks right and it's like (laughs) that's usually not health at all and most of the like most of the recommendations disguised as health advice for women are very detrimental to their health, especially Mm -hmm. in the way that they're phrased and the way that like, it's always about like, you're not good enough. You Mm -hmm. need to fix this. You need to fix that. Whether it's like your cellulite, your stomach, whatever it is, you know? And so I've just learned what the actual meaning of health is. And I just have so much more appreciation for my body now that I've, you know, taken it to hell and back and like, yeah. now I'm trying to recover it still to this day. I'm like way better, but there there are still like lingering things from a period of time where I totally disregarded health. And I've learned so much from that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I loved the question that you had asked me before about, you know, when you do have hard days or you do have those days where those insecurities come back, what is that message that you tell yourself? Mm-hmm. So it's yours.
0: Yeah. I would say for me, one of the biggest things is to like get outside mm. of myself, whether that means sometimes it's physically getting outside, but a lot of times it's like putting perspective into what I'm feeling. So for example, if someday I'm like, Oh, I feel, I feel fat today or something like that. Like I know so many women deal with that or they they just feel unhappy in their body. And it's like, okay, but what, what does that actually mean for your life? Like wh- what if what if you're fat? Like, so what? Right? Like, is that the worst thing that you could Mm. be as a person? Is that the worst thing? And it's like, okay, but even if I was, even if this was true... Who am I? Like, I'm still extremely strong. I'm still intelligent. I'm still a great friend. I'm still a great, like, blah, blah, blah. Like, if you can get outside of what you look like and have, draw confidence from your character or your work or, you know, your relationships, like there are so many other places to draw confidence outside of your appearance. And mm-hmm. so that's something I always am preaching to myself and my clients is like, even if you're feeling down about your body, I don't think it's always realistic to be like, you should love every part of yourself because there are so many things that I still like, do I love that I have stretch marks from when I did gain the weight back? Like, I don't love them, but I can accept them. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So I don't think it's always realistic to expect people to love everything, but like we should be striving towards acceptance and striving to like acknowledge that our physical body is here for so much more than just to be like looked at and mm-hmm. to be molded into mm-hmm. a certain way. Um, and I do help women do that, but it's not like your purpose here on earth is not to like grow your butt or shrink your stomach or do any of those things. Like your purpose is so far, so much bigger than that. Um, I love that. And so, yeah, it's like keeping things in perspective is probably the biggest way that I can kind of reset, but also getting outside physically <laughs> helps a Yeah. It. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I love how you just talk about
1: transformation from the inside out because you don't choose the shell that you come in, Mm -hmm. that body that you come in right? and what you can do and what you can control is what you're, what you're putting in yourself and and not just nutritionally, it's emotionally, physically, spiritually, um, the investments that you're making in yourself, your character of who you are. And I think that that is so big. Mm Mhm. You know, we don't choose our shells that we come in. No, yeah. But you can choose who you are as a person, right? And then what you're going to do about it, right? And so I, I love the just the nutrition, the health, the everything from the inside out. Yeah
0: yeah and i really believe that like how you feed your body how you move your body like those are the foundational acts of self-love like Mm -hmm. those are the best ways that you can take care of yourself and love yourself on a physical level of course self-talk and like how you perceive yourself and all that stuff is also foundational self-love but i i try to teach women a different way of looking at food and exercise outside of how can this change my body or like looking at it as a transactional thing. Like if I, if I eat X, will I look Y? Like if Mm -hmm. I eat this thing, will I look this way? And it's, it's more so about like, how does this, How does this celebrate you? How does this nourish your body? How does movement keep you healthy? How does it affect your mood? Like there are so many other things to consider outside of how will this change my body Mm. or make it better or fix it. Yeah. I love that. And that's, that's something I feel like I'm continually
1: working on. Yeah.
0: I mean, we all are. I'm working on it too. And I think that's, that's, we usually teach on the things that we struggled with the most. Mm -hmm. And usually if you struggled with something in the past, you are always still grappling with it like mm-hmm. I'm so passionate about this because I struggled with it so much Yeah, um, and it's something that you're, you're always learning more about mm-hmm. even when you think you're like okay put that behind me check it off like it'll always circle back and you'll have to like work through it on a from a different angle or in a deeper way
1: yeah absolutely and one thing that I feel that I've recently come to terms with is that I'm always going to have cellulite. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that a lot of women try to combat. Yeah. Right? Because when you see people in movies or on the cover of magazines or whatever it is, yeah, they don't have any cellulite. No. And it's like women are actually meant to yeah. have cellulite.
0: Yeah. Like our, our fat cells are actually shaped differently from men's. Right. Like, like our bodies are just, they're built <laughs> that way. And that's just kind of the reality of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how have you, like, are you, do you feel like you're at a place where you like accepted and how did, how did you get there?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think I still struggle with like my saddlebag area. Yeah. Like I'll be like, ugh, I wish that was tighter. But then I'm also like, Liz, what are you doing about it?
0: Right. <laughs> right. It's like, Okay. I wish it was tighter, but I'm like, okay, but what if this is what you had to do to get there, right? right? So sometimes a client will come to me and they're like, I really want abs. And I'm like, okay, but at what cost? Right. Like, how much do you want abs? Because for me to get abs, like I had to give up a lot of things that... I wish I hadn't. Like I had to give up some like really important social settings or because I couldn't control the food or I had to give up some memories with my family because on vacation I had to go to the gym. Like, you know what I mean? And so it's like, it's fine to have goals and I encourage women to have goals. And I think it's great to strive for more and challenge yourself, but it's to keep in perspective, like at what cost. Right. Right.
1: exactly. And, and I definitely had to develop a healthy relationship with, working out and with food and all of that. Mm-hmm. But one thing that I have learned is, yeah, I could probably work out a little bit harder. I also really enjoy my life. Yeah. And for me, I still am finding that balance of just what's healthy for me. hmm You know, it, in everything that you were saying, just waking up and having energy having motivation for me passion is huge so if i'm feeding my passion fueling my spirit that's everything else in my life starts to align more right yeah And, and that is super important and it's still something i'm working on i think since moving to chicago finding a routine and finding that was really hard and i don't know about I think sometimes those transitions are hard for me. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: How was moving to Austin for you? When did you move to Austin?
0: Yeah, I moved here... The beginning of last year, so it 's been almost a year and a half now, but before that we lived in Venice Beach, California for a year, and so we did two big like cross country basically moves back to back i 'm originally from Minnesota, so it 's been like a lot of change right and i 'm someone that very much thrives on routine mm-hmm. um, so like you said it's it 's hard to settle into a new place and like find. Find your routine, find your rhythm, um, and that's that was really hard for me, especially as someone who's very achievement oriented and like to do list oriented and like I've really had to work on detaching my approval from myself from my approval of myself from my productivity level, mm-hmm. like I've always been someone where like the way I gauge my day is like how well I performed or like how much I did. And so moving really made me like question that and have to work through it because you have to get your bearings and you have to give yourself time to like settle into somewhere new and like everything is so different. Um, And as an introvert, it also challenged me to like get out and put myself in social settings and like open myself to new friendships and stuff. And so I think moving across the country, it has so many challenges, but it's also something that I think has so many lessons that like most people could really benefit from, like just getting out of your comfort zone and forcing yourself to leave your bubble of what you know, um, is huge. Cause growing up, like, I mean, we went to the same grocery store, like, I knew every street in my town and I only went to college like seven miles away from my parents. And so to like leave that, it felt like a fishbowl of like the twin cities of Minnesota. And so to leave that and like go somewhere totally opposite, um, was definitely a learning experience, but I, I would recommend it. I think even if it's only for a year, like it doesn't have to be forever, but if you're in the position where you can like move somewhere that you're curious about, then I say do it. Like, even though LA wasn't for me, it was still a, a big learning experience. Yeah. yeah. I, I used to live in Vegas and I just,
1: every time I'd go to LA, I remember I wanted to move to California so bad, but every time I'd go out there, I'm like, it's not for me. Yeah. This isn't my place. This isn't my yeah. place. Yeah. Um, but I loved what you said about, um, just challenging yourself in transformational times in your life because, you know, I work with tons of moms and, mm-hmm. um, that's, Motherhood's a huge transformation. Yeah. You know, and, and learning how to sit through discomfort and find a new routine, or, you know, if you thrive off of one thing you're in a huge transformation and maybe you can't check all those boxes. Right. Yeah. So you have to find a new box to check. Mm-hmm. You know, like, hey, I brushed my hair today, yeah. <laughs>
0: check. Yeah. I am awesome. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, for me, sometimes that box is like, I left my apartment today because I like, I work from home. My complex has a gym. Like, I don't have to even leave the premises to like right. live a full day. Right. And so sometimes it's like redefining what accomplishment is for you. And I think one of the biggest things that I always tell my clients and myself when it comes to like coming back to your center and like feeling grounded wherever you are Um, and sometimes that's like if you fall off track with your fitness journey if you physically move if you're entering a new season of your life like if you just feel not grounded i think one of the biggest things is to find like a keystone habit that you can have in your day and so for me for example a keystone habit is to like wake up early and then like do like get outside and eat a healthy breakfast. Like if I can do that at the beginning of my day, my odds for success that day and my odds of like feeling good and feeling myself that day are 5,000 times higher than if I just skip that and hope for the best. So Mm -hmm. for some people that could be like, I don't know what, what other habits people have for some people that could be like, walking to work or drinking enough water or just like the things that make you feel good and set the tone for your day. If you can return to just one of those habits, it starts that forward momentum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I love that. How would you, I guess, if
1: a client that you're talking to is struggling with that, mm-hmm. who's in a transition or not, but just like, I'm not feeling physically fed, spiritually fed, mentally fed, I need to get back to a routine and I just can't. yeah. Like what's what's a step?
0: Yeah, I think actually the first step that I always go through with my clients is figuring out their why and what's mm. even driving them. Because yeah. typically once you get in touch with that, Taking action and actually getting that forward momentum started, which is honestly the hardest part, becomes a lot easier because if you're not really clear on like why you're doing something, other than you feel like you should or you know that you feel crappy, um, that's not always enough to like get you moving. And so, all of my clients go through like a goal setting workshop, basically, and so. It's, I give my clients like these audio recordings of, Mm -hmm. they're kind of like VIP, like podcast episodes where I take them through like a training on something. And so the first one they go through is all about goal setting and how to set a goal that has a lot of meaning to you and getting clear on why that goal has meaning to you. Because I think so many women come to me and they're like, I want to lose 10 pounds or like, I want to fit into my jeans from high school. Or like they have like a very arbitrary, like surface level goal, which it's not necessarily wrong but they don't know why that's their goal like i think society just kind of conditions us as like you should always be trying to lose weight you should always be trying Mm -hmm. to get smaller you should always be trying to look a certain way and so women like i can't remember what the statistic is but it's like women spend it's like 60 or 70 percent of their life like trying to be on a diet Mm. because we always just feel like we should be fixing ourselves. And so I asked them like, okay, what's your goal? Like, why is that your goal? Why do you think that you need to accomplish that? And usually it's like, Oh, so I can like feel better about my body. And I, it, kind of is like an interrogation. I ask them like, why, 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 why 10 times? Why do you need to feel better about your body? Yeah. And like, Mm -hmm. why do you think that will make you feel better about your body? Like what defines a good body to you? What defines like confidence? Where, where do you think you draw confidence from? And it's just this like questioning process. And you kind of feel them like letting their walls down as you get closer. It's kind of like the spiral. And as you get mm-hmm. closer to the spiral of your questions, you get to their true purpose. And it's always like, I want to be able to show up as my best for the people that I care about, or I want to have the energy to pursue the things that I value the most. Like it's, it's never actually about the 10 pounds. right? It's like, then your goal is to have more energy, right? Like your goal is to be healthy and mm-hmm. be in a body that, that feels like home, right? right? Like mm-hmm. that's what your that's your true why and that's your true goal Mm -hmm. and like maybe that is going to manifest as you losing 10 pounds like that very well could be and that's great um but like let's not forget about how you want to feel and like what the end result and like what you want your life to look like Mm -hmm. because personally for me when i was convinced that I needed to lose 10 pounds or have a thigh gap in order to be confident mm-hmm. I pictured when I got that thigh gap as being like the land of milk and honey where like everyone loves me I go, like every time yeah. I try clothes on I just feel like a model and I you never take good a bad picture right. yeah like I imagined that that would be mm-hmm. my life and I got there and I was still so unhappy and so critical of myself and like none of that was true right mm-hmm. and so I think we need to focus a lot more on like the feeling and the the quality of life that we want more so than the the exact
1: specifications of the look no absolutely um starting the marathon training was a way for me to get outside every day Mm -hmm. which actually has helped me a lot but i remember this last week i was showing my husband the rash on my thighs from rubbing while i'm running yeah yeah. (laughs) i'm like i don't have a thigh gap it's not gonna happen and i don't care about it anymore yeah it's like I'm proud. Look at these marks. I've been outside every single day. That's hard
0: work right there. Yeah. yeah. You
1: know, it's like I'm, I'm moving every single day. I'm getting outside. I'm doing something that maybe I don't necessarily love, but I'm started to, because that's been, you know, I relate to so much to what you were saying. I think with the move for me and now working from home, I need to get outside every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I start to isolate myself and yeah. I draw inspiration and stuff from being in nature, being around other people and, so having the motivation to, to do this half marathon um, was a way for me. To be accountable with myself yeah. otherwise i wouldn't do it
0: and that's such better motivation like wanting to challenge yourself wanting to get outside more wanting to like set a goal and like show yourself that you can stick to it like all of those things are great reasons to set a goal and think about how much different your marathon training would feel if you had set that goal of like i want to run a half marathon so that i can lose weight right yeah oh wow yeah yeah like you would look at every mile as like right. burning calories right? right and that's like that's so much less enjoyable and it's so much like it takes the fun and like the playfulness and the the accomplishment out of it unless like if the scale doesn't reflect that you're you know what you want it to then all you're running is for nothing like right you know Mm -hmm. and so it's like your intention behind things is everything Mm -hmm. like if if you're i always say if you're trying to put a negative like a negative process and trying to get a positive result out of it like that does not add up Mm -hmm. like i i was trying to hate myself confident and that Mm -hmm. that doesn't it doesn't work that way that's that's not how like negative cannot equal positive negative plus positive. Negative plus negative is still negative right right like, yeah no i love that i i remember hearing
1: um when i was doing coach training we had to fill out like a goal type thing mm-hmm. and it's like what's your goal why do you want this goal and it said what is the feeling you're gonna get when you reach yes. this and my feeling was peace and it said that's your goal your goal yes. is peace yeah you know, to have that feeling. Right. So that's exactly what you were saying. It's like, how are you going to feel when you get there? Mm -hmm. You know, oh, you want to be more energetic for your family? That's the goal. Right. And
0: then it's how can you make yourself feel 1% more energetic every day? Mm -hmm. It's not how can you like beat your body and your mind into the ground until you get to this finish line. Like that's Mm -hmm. how so many people approach their fitness journey or any sort of like physical goal that they have. They're like, how can I just do the most even if it sucks in hopes that i'll feel good at the end Mm -hmm. you know what i mean but like if you hate the process you're you're not gonna love the end result right you're
1: like it doesn't add up
0: no (laughs) yeah but it's it's so common and like i did the same exact thing and we just don't even think about it that way we don't we don't stop to think about like why do i actually want this or like how is this actually going to make my life better because i think like diet culture which which could be a like a whole Mm. entire podcast show but like diet culture just teaches us that we should always be striving to like fix things and like make your cellulite disappear make your waist smaller make xyz like hip dips became a thing that we're like undesirable a couple years ago it's like but why like who decided this right but everything you just said are
1: labels on women's health how to make your waist smaller how to make your cellulite go away how to whatever you know it's all these how-to's but i mean that stuff can't even work
0: i mean it, yeah no it's it's just whenever i read those i'd be like oh cool i'll try that and i did it for one day and yeah. i'm like mm. <laughs> well because for most women to make your cellulite disappear like that's gonna take some extreme oh, measures yeah. right and that's ne- like yeah. any extreme is never gonna last right i i
1: told my husband about when we went on our honeymoon um I got really tan and I was showing him how my cellulite went away. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, "What?" He's like, "Did you actually like lose cellulite?" I'm like, "No, babe, I'm tan." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I got tan in the sun, so
0: my cellulite looks like it's gone, but yeah. it's there. <laughs> it's still there. Life hack. Right. I yeah. lost my tan and it's back. Yeah, so. <laughs> like, ladies, you don't need to kill yourself in the gym. You just need some self-tanner. Right. I yeah, I'm a big advocate of like find fun ways to move your body, find healthy foods that you like, but like, don't force anything that makes you miserable. Like that's just, Mm -hmm. that's, that's silly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So what made you want to be a coach?
0: Yeah. I think it's the fact that I struggled for so long. I struggled so hard for so long that when I finally did figure out what was going on and find my path i was like wow if i would have just had someone to guide me through this i could have wasted so much less time honestly like at first when i when i first started coaching i was purely focused on like diet and exercise like here here's your nutrition plan here's your training program like go forth right right and execute and then check in with me and like everything was very surface level and everything was very logistics based. Um, because those were the things that I could like mentally process at the time. And those are the things that I did struggle with a lot. Like I, I researched for hours and hours and hours and hours and like trialed and erred my way through all of those things early on in my fitness journey. And so that's what I started coaching women on because that was that was something that I saw so many people wasting their time on doing ineffective exercises, not knowing what to eat, thinking like, oh, I'm eating healthy. Why am I not losing weight? And I'm like, because you're eating seven servings of almonds as a snack, and that's like 900 calories. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like stuff like that um, is what initially made me become a coach, but I deepened my coaching. Um, as a mirror of like my journey, as mm-hmm. I deepened like my self-awareness and my self-love and like realize that there's so much more to it. So my, my coaching is very much a mirror of my experiences and wanting to help women navigate through the similar experiences in a less painful, more efficient way because it didn't have to be that hard. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: I, I love that because I've worked out with trainers before and they've all kind of been cookie cutter. Mm hmm. It was like the same diet plan from every trainer, the same everything. And, um, I feel like I would have benefited from a coach like you.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not common because it's not taught though either. Like like everything that I do now was not taught to me in my personal trainer certification. It was Mm -hmm. not taught to me even like I took some college courses. It's not what my degree is in, but I took some college courses on like exercise science and like sports nutrition and stuff like that. And none of that stuff is really what matters to my clients. Mm-hmm. Like to some point information matters, but at at some point information is not the problem. Like I said earlier. So it's like, it's about finding what's going to be, get them results but also be sustainable and be something that still gives them the quality of life that they're looking for. And one of the first questions I asked my clients was like, Okay, I'm gonna make your plan, but like what are your non negotiables? Hmm. And so like one of my clients she's like, I need at least Four glasses of wine a week. And I was like, okay, we can work with that. Like, mm-hmm. I will never be the person to be like, you cannot drink alcohol. You cannot have sugar. You cannot, like, skip the gym ever. Like, no, like, that's just not me because that's, well, that's not, not real not life. Like, yeah, it's not real life. It's not
1: sustainable. Right. And that's why so many people who, like, go on a diet culture, like, they're like, oh, I'm going to do this for the next whatever. And then they gain it back. Or right. They, like, I can lose weight, but I'll gain it back. Right. Because I, it, I'm not doing it healthy. And that yeah. that happened to me so many times in my life. I'm like, oh, I feel so good. And then it, it came right back. Right. Because what I was doing was not sustainable.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Exactly. I
0: like to talk about it as, like, a pendulum. Mm-hmm. So if you 100%. are... 100%. Yeah. Like, if you're chilling in the middle of the pendulum and you're like, okay, I'm going to like go on my health kick and I'm going to eat really healthy. I'm going to go to gym every day. I'm going to do X, Y, Z, like check all the boxes of what you think you're supposed to do and usually like you when you start that kick you have that surge of motivation mm-hmm. and you really like believe that it's possible and that feels so good like that like starting fresh is addicting mm-hmm. and so people always start fresh the pendulum will swing drastically one way because they're doing everything perfect with no margin for error no wiggle room like just no no grace for themselves if they mess up and so then when they do mess up and the pendulum Uh, isn't stuck up there anymore, it totally just swings the opposite way, right? Mm -hmm. Like you you can't maintain it swung so far one way without inevitably it swinging the other way. And then like you said, like you undo all of the things that you were just working so hard to accomplish like that's why people gain the weight back and more and like every time you go through that cycle your ability to like start fresh and like find motivation Mm -hmm. gets smaller and smaller and smaller and like it just the more cycles of dieting and failing and like just trying to be perfect and then not realizing that you can't be perfect and then saying screw it and then being so guilty and disappointed in yourself and then trying to start again like it's just this vicious cycle that's so exhausting and so frustrating and I'm like just like I want to like pluck people out of it (laughs) like when I see them in that in that cycle so I think that's just like it, it hurts me to see everyone not everyone but see a lot of women stuck in that cycle because I've been there and it doesn't have to be like that but to to end that cycle for yourself you have to be willing to be patient and you have to be willing to be in it for the long game and not go to extremes um and not fall into the trap of like i need results and i need them yesterday
1: right yeah no absolutely it it is a journey yes you know not not an immediate right thing um, how do you, so before you said you were worried about when you did the bikini competition and then you decided to kind of go on your own health journey and you were kind of worried about what it would look like, mm-hmm. um, to other people. Yeah. So as an
0: influencer, how did that affect your influence? I guess. Yeah, that was, that was one of the hardest parts, honestly, um, and I don't think it was only because I'm an influencer. I think anyone would care what other people thought about them. Like, I've also had family members make comments about it that, like, were, mm-hmm. you know, more, like I took those to heart more than like an Instagram comment or something like that. So um, I don't think this is exclusive to someone with a large audience. But yeah, I did really worry, especially because I had built an audience predominantly through my competitive years. Like, my audience was already probably like maybe 50,000, but it went from like 50 to 200,000 followers on Instagram over the course of me competing because it's so fascinating. Like Mm. seeing someone push their body so hard and have abs and like veins in places you didn't know they existed. And like just any sort of extreme is like very interesting, right? To watch. So I gained a lot of followers and people saw me as a competitor. That was my identity. That was also how I identified myself. Like I always identified myself as a competitor or a volleyball player or whatever I was doing. Um, and so when I like stepped back from that identity, I let my body gain some weight. I wasn't posting like ab selfies. I wasn't posting all these like physique updates. Cause I wanted to honestly like hide. Like I did not understand what mm. was going on with my body. I didn't feel super confident in my body after a certain point because I was like, yeah, I can take like, so what if I gained 10 pounds, but I gained like 30 pounds or yeah. 40 pounds. And mm-hmm. so at that point it's not, it's no longer like, Oh, this extra weight, like looks cute on me. I didn't believe that mm-hmm. right away. Like now I'm very confident in myself and I never would have thought that I would be confident in the body that I have now, which is like so messed up. But, yeah. um, yeah, I was I was really nervous how it would be received because so many people had followed me for that content and as that person um and I definitely did get judged. I definitely had people commenting like, "Oh, just another bikini girl who couldn't take it and got fat" and like mm. just the meanest things that like you would never I would never say to like my worst enemy because I I know how much they hurt and like people would say that kind of stuff to me and Um, but on the other hand, I would also be getting comments from women who are like, wow, I relate to you so much more Mm. now. And like, I can see myself in you. And the, the type of support that I get from women now is so much more meaningful than before, because before I would get support in the, in the sense of like, oh, you look great. Or like, oh, you're Mm. like, thanks for this workout or like jealous of how round your butt is or like nice abs like they were you know like the way people supported me was very surface level whereas now um it's very much like it's a lot deeper and i know the impact that i'm making on people's life is beyond like this is how to grow your butt or something like i'm still going to help you grow your butt if you want that yeah but my impact is so much deeper than that and i i love that more women can relate to me and more women can see themselves in me because I'm a more realistic body type. Mm -hmm. And for a long time, women who had like naturally more like curvy and athletic body types weren't being represented. And so to be able to have women be like, thank you for just showing up as you or like showing that unflattering picture of yourself or like being honest that you have cellulite, like God forbid Mm -hmm. I have cellulite, but like it, it's so much more meaningful what I do now. And so even though I I was terrified of how it would be received and there was a season where it was not well received, um, I stuck through it. And it's like, it's so worth it to, to live your truth because it gives mm-hmm. other people permission to do the same and like live their truth.
1: Yeah. 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 When you show up transparent, you allow others to do so. Exactly. Um, yeah. And how do you, one thing we had talked about before was complimenting people. Mm -hmm. So complimenting people on their health journey or on their fitness journey. It's like, how do you support someone who's going through a health journey or a fitness journey and not give them a compliment that could potentially be damaging?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's big because... Um, you and I have both had situations where we yeah. like lost weight in an unhealthy way, mm-hmm. and someone made a compliment, thinking that they were being nice, but it actually was. Well, You're I don't like, know I'm if, killing myself yeah, right yeah, now, like, and you think I, I feel good. dead inside, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so I remember multiple times that happened when I was very focused on like shrinking myself and I just remember being like this is what I have to do to to get people's approval like this is how I have to feel and I just remember that being so like heavy mm. to know that like this is how I had to had had to look and how this is everything I had to do to get approval like that um and so yeah the what you say to people is so important and complimenting people isn't always what you think it is, like complimenting Mm -hmm. someone on their weight loss or complimenting someone on their body, um, is, is sensitive. So I always, my advice is always don't do it unless you know their background and their true intention. Um, which is typically only someone's like inner circle, you know? Um, so I think there are so many other things we can compliment women on. Mm -hmm. And I hate that the default for like women to women is always like oh you look great like when you first meet up with someone that you haven't seen in a while or like oh did you lose weight i hate that that's a default because that is really just reinforcing the idea of like the most interesting person thing about a woman is like the way she looks Mm -hmm. and like the shape of her body when we could be talking about like like you have such great energy today or like even it would even be better to be like, I love your hair or like, right. I love the way you did your eyebrows. Like that would be better than compliment, yeah. commenting on someone's weight, even if you think you're being nice. And, um, it's just, it's such a touchy thing, but I think if we focused more on a woman's character and her strength and even her accomplishments, like that would be so much more constructive than mm-hmm. complimenting her on her weight or her size. Um, Yeah. Yeah,
1: And let's go to the annoying questions that yeah. people get because I talk to moms or even women who are trying to conceive and people are like, when are you going to have kids? Or when are, you know, before I got married, like, when are you going to get married? Yeah. And, um, you know, we had a conversation about that. And how um, that affects people, but um, how do you feel? I guess when people ask you those questions,
0: Mm -hmm. yeah, it's kind of the similar thing. Like there are so many expectations of like, if you're trying to get thinner, that's automatically a good thing. Like if you are in your 20s, you automatically are like looking to settle down and start having kids, right? Or like you live
1: with your boyfriend, so you're you're obviously like I don't know, gonna get married and have kids or whatever it is. Yeah,
0: like my boyfriend and I have been together for like six and a half. Years now, I think, um, and so that's I say I think because we got together when I was like still in high school, so it's it's it feels feel like a lifetime ago. <laughs> <laughs> it's all a blur, um, but yeah, like I'm 24, he's 27, so we're at that age where like, especially in Minnesota, like that's a very normal age that people are like getting married, yeah. having kids on purpose, like doing all of that. Um, I mean, I feel like on the coast or in bigger cities, like we'd still be considered young to be doing that. Mm, But, um, yeah, I definitely get a lot of questions of like, when is he going to propose? Do you want kids? Like, what what are you doing? Like, why, aren't, why isn't your relationship moving forward? And it's like, are you kidding me? Like, we've moved across the country twice. We've both overcome major health scares. Like, we have two amazing pets together. Yeah, like, what you do you do. mean we're not making <laughs> progress? Like, I think we're killing it. And just because I don't have a ring on my finger doesn't mean that like we're not making progress or I, I don't know. I just think that the way people like the arbitrary milestones that people have are not like they need to be reevaluated. Like the arbitrary milestone of like you should, like, if you lose weight, it's automatically good. (laughs) Or like, if you are a certain age, you should be getting married. Um, and so I think you were totally right though that like, a lot of times people ask those things simply because they don't know what else to talk to you about. Right, and they making like, conversation. Yeah, and they like, don't, we don't mean it that way. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'd rather just not. Like, right. like if it's going to be mindless small talk, I'd rather just not. Like, try to get to know somebody, not just be like,
1: ask the normal societal
0: questions. Yeah, like, actually, I have a really big pet peeve of just every time you see someone, even if it's a complete stranger, you're like, hi, how are you? Good, how are you? And it's like, one of you probably isn't good. Like odds are one of you probably isn't even good. And so I hate that that's like the default. Like I would just, when I see people, I just say hello. (laughs) Like I don't ask them how they are because I know we're in passing. I don't have time to actually hold space for like how they truly are. Um, And so it's just one of those things where like I wish that our expectations could be adjusted and I think it is kind of yeah. getting I think depending like you said depending on where you live
1: and yeah kind of what you're surrounded by those yeah. who...
0: but even last time we were like visiting his family in Minnesota his grandma was like Marie I'm trying to find a ring for you like I have one from my husband that like I think would be beautiful for you and I'm like but what if I don't want your ring like what if that's not like that's not my biggest goal right now is mm-hmm. to like get a ring on my finger or something and like I'm an only child and so my parents don't really bug me a lot but i do feel pressure to like have kids because if i don't they have no grandkids Mm -hmm. and like so i think there is just a lot of there is a lot of pressure and as a 20 something and i think like in your 30s you probably feel the same it's like you're just expected to want these things and Mm -hmm. i really struggle because i'm not even confident that i want those things right and i i think my my like intuition tells me that I probably will at some point, mm-hmm. but I'm not like in a headspace to be like, yes, I definitely want kids because I just cannot see it for myself where I am right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so I, I always feel like the need to explain myself or like be defend like you know, like justify th- that decision because mm-hmm. it's so expected.
1: Right. Instead of just being like, yeah, I don't know. We'll see.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we'll find out. I'm like, what do you mean? I have a dog. Right. I have children. Yeah. Like they're my kids. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. And, and I think that, yeah, people just tend to ask surface level questions. So whether it's coming to people who are single or in a relationship and you don't know what their relationship is, you don't. Um, because I don't think that having a ring on your finger defines your relationship at all. Yeah. Uh, There's a lot of people who have rings on their finger that have very toxic relationships, but, um, or like having kids and, you know, or asking the questions of when are you going to have kids? You don't know that person's journey. You don't know what they've been through. Um, and then complimenting people. So, just if, if you're listening, just strive to make either deeper conversation or not feel like you have to make conversation to fill silence. Yeah. Because one of my favorite quotes, which I'm totally going to bur- butcher it right now, it's by Thomas Merton, but he says, people will talk about like nothing at all just mm-hmm. to fill the silence. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know, like, people don't like silence. It's either no. awkward or whatever. So, it's like
0: they'll just be like, oh,
1: what's going on? You know? Yeah. And it's
0: like, yeah. do you even really care? Right. Like if you're in passing with someone, honestly, like just say hello. You don't have to be like, how are you? Even if you're like, Hey, have a good day. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Hey, have a good one. (laughs) That's so much better than saying like, hi, how are you? And then they're like, good. How are you? Good. Like that. You didn't actually achieve any level of like intimacy, you know, Mm -hmm. like mental or like interpersonal intimacy. I don't mean like physical intimacy, but you didn't actually achieve any level of intimacy in that exchange mm-hmm. and so i feel like it was pointless right. and it was um like i'm just i'm not a fan so i think better questions to ask would be like if you have time to actually talk with someone and you're trying to get the get up get the ball rolling of a conversation like it would be better to say like what are you up to or like how are things going and like really ask it in a way where they can tell that you care because mm-hmm. i think one thing that my friends have told me in the past is like I know that when you ask me how I am or what's going on that you actually want the real answer right because I actually do like please don't bullshit me Mm -hmm. or BS me if we don't (laughs) swear on the show but like please don't lie to me and tell you tell me that you're good when you're not because if i'm asking you that it's because i actually care not Mm -hmm. because i'm just trying to fill the silence
1: yeah no absolutely and and then the reverse too if you're so annoyed from people asking you those questions um don't take it personally
0: yeah it's hard right i mean i'm i don't get like mad that people do it and i don't i don't like hold it against them because i know that it's just it's just the default. It's like what we're taught to do. Yeah. It's yeah. like, oh. just like we're taught to expect everyone to like get married and have kids. Right. Right. <laughs> like, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And so it's just, it's the default, but I think we can start asking better questions. And I think that that's like also full circle with what we said in the beginning about like setting fitness goals and stuff. Like let's ask better questions and like mm-hmm. get beyond the surface level because that's, that's where the good stuff is. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I
1: think with everything, asking better questions when it comes to, Uh, women's health and when Mm -hmm. it comes to even motherhood when it comes to relationships when it comes to your health in general
0: um asking better deeper questions Mm -hmm. and not being afraid to get a real answer right because oftentimes people like even if you do say how Actually, are you people are afraid to be honest and be like, actually I'm not so good right now because mm-hmm. they they don't want to be a burden they're afraid how you'll react or they feel like a certain way about their situation then they don't like it just you know there's a lot more vulnerability involved there's a lot more risk of someone rejecting you or not reacting the way you think like you have to be if you're if if you're asking better, deeper questions, you have to be willing to like. Then hold whatever you find,
1: mm. which Holds I think is hard. For that. Yeah, yeah. Well, because then a lot of times it it makes you reflect on your life. Mm-hmm. When people say something that's deeper and you weren't expecting it, you get uncomfortable. Why? Right. Why does that make you uncomfortable?
0: Right. Yeah. yeah. And like for you and I, probably when we reevaluated what we were doing to our bodies, like, and you start realizing that like you dig deeper past that surface motivation that was driving you all along. Like it's kind of scary to go past that because you have to come to terms with like what was actually driving you, which like for me that was like unworthiness or like fear of rejection Mm -hmm. or things like that. And like, that's a lot harder to deal with than like my body's not perfect. You know what I mean? Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. I I know for the root of mine, Definitely, self worth Mm -hmm. was huge, yeah, Um, and being lovable. Yeah, know just the lies I was telling myself that I'm I'm not lovable. Yeah, Who who would love me in a body like this, right? You know, and and I think that that's something that so many women tell themselves lies.
0: And so, what is? Do you have like a few self love tips? Yeah, yeah. I think I mean going back to like the perspective thing that I said earlier, and like remembering that you're so much more than your body mm-hmm. and like your impact in the world and like the way you relate to other people, like your friends and family, they don't care about like your body, you know, like they would, they would way rather have you gain 10 pounds and like be happier and like be around them more than to like have the perfect body. I think it's, it's important to remember that perspective of like your body is just your shell. But as far as self-love, um, I think one of the biggest things again is like, if you're in a place where you're really struggling with self-love and you're, you're more tending towards the side of like self-loathing, I think the first mission, the first goal is to like come to a place of self-acceptance. Because mm-hmm. if, you're, if you're in a place of that's really far away from self-love, the idea of trying to get to self-love is so daunting and feels so impossible that it's like, why even try? Um, cause if you sh- if you could- if you told me back when I was my most insecure, like, Oh, just love yourself. Or like, you need to love your body the way right. it is. I'm like, what mm. do you mean? How, yeah. Like, how is that possible? Um, <laughs> whereas if I would have, been posed like what if you could just accept yourself the way you are and then work from there. Um, I think that would have sounded a lot more doable. So I think really the first step to self love is to strive for self acceptance and to like own what you have and own where you are and understand that like this is me, this is this is my physical body. Um and I think finding finding things that you can love aspects that you can love is the first step so if it's like i love the color of my eyes mm. like and i think it can be really powerful to to love things that you're not responsible for like yeah you know like the color of your eyes like mm-hmm. you had nothing to I do with that it. Yeah. right and or like i love my smile or i love the shape of my nose or i love the way my toes curl when i laugh or like you know it can be like the smallest details but if you can just find something to love about yourself it it starts that positive momentum which i'm so much about and i think finding things that are not your responsibility or a byproduct of any work that you put in is really powerful because it kind of takes the pressure off of you
1: mm-hmm.
0: like it's it's not only up to you to like make your body worthy like it already is worthy it already has beautiful things about it Um, and you didn't have to work for that. You didn't have to earn it. Like you already are, you already are love. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And so it's, it's so hard to give like specific self-love tips of like, don't love yourself. Here's like your fast solution because that's why we're in this problem. You know what I mean? Like everyone's looking for the quick fix. Mm -hmm. Everyone's looking for like the pill to make them love themselves. (laughs) And like, that's why we're in this predicament. Um, but I think like asking the deeper questions finding things that you can love and like coming from a place of acceptance is like the the starter pack Mm -hmm. to like get get closer to love um and and being willing again to do the work and being willing to be patient being willing to like just sit in the suck sometimes because i know that my journey to self-love was full of a lot of moments that sucked Mm -hmm. a lot of moments where i questioned everything a lot of calls with my therapist like Mm -hmm. and 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 i say that because there's nothing wrong with like getting help during this whether it's a coach or a therapist or someone because it like you don't have to do the heavy stuff by yourself you know right
1: yeah your message is is so beautiful and powerful thank you and those should be the covers on women's health magazine oh, thank
0: you. <laughs> petition how to accept yourself yeah like i mean that's really the way that we can be the healthiest like trying to hate yourself to look a certain way even if it gets you into a healthier body weight for example which is like even up for debate like oh 100% yeah my husband showed me the statistic other day
1: and he is technically obese yeah my BMI is like almost obese and he has abs yeah Yeah. He's like, I'm overweight for my category. I'm
0: like, babe, there is no way that you're
1: overweight. And we looked it up and I'm like, this is crap.
0: Yeah. (laughs) yeah. I mean, it's just like health is so subjective. Oh, 100%. Um, And, but I can say like objectively that hating yourself is not healthy Mm -hmm. and trying to Mm -hmm. constantly fix yourself and pick yourself apart is not healthy. And trying to fit into a box
1: yeah and then saying you're healthy or whatever it is yeah Yeah. a lot of people who might look
0: healthy from the outside as well you don't know what their insides look like absolutely i mean even like when i was my thinnest and ate super clean quote unquote and did all those things like i used but i'm healthy as the justification for like Mm. being so extreme and like my parents would say that they were like worried that i was maybe taking things too far i'm like i'm just being healthy like Mm. like i was technically i was eating all the healthy foods i was working out i was like doing what's supposed to be healthy but like the intention behind it wasn't healthy the feelings behind it weren't again at what cost yeah and so it's like healthy is is not what we think it is Mm -hmm. and trying even if you supposedly achieve a healthier body through negative means like it's still an unhealthy process Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah so your work
1: as a transformational coach is super important that like i said is something that i wish i had around because the the people that i was seeing for help really didn't help me
0: mm-hmm.
1: i wasn't being told yeah like i i went to a nutritionist and she wanted me to track everything that i ate mm-hmm. and as somebody's struggling with an eating disorder that yeah. there was no way that was going to happen yeah. that was so shameful for me yeah You know, so I'm like, I can't, I can't track that.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of it comes down to like, (laughs) she probably couldn't relate. You know what I mean? Exactly. I just didn't have the right
1: people. Yeah,
0: yeah, and I think that's why it's so important for people in general to not put so much pressure on themselves to be a a perfect expert on something before they start helping other people. Mm, You know what I mean? mm -hmm. Like because I still sometimes struggle to love myself, and I still struggle to make the right choices with nutrition and fitness and stuff like that. And because I still have goals that I haven't reached yet, like that doesn't mean I can't be a good coach. It actually makes me a better coach because Mm -hmm. I've overcome so much that like my clients want to overcome. Mm -hmm. And so I think if people feel called to like help others, but they're letting that hold them back of like, Oh, but I'm not like an expert or I'm not like the utmost master of it yet. Like I can't help people. I think that's so untrue. And that like, if we, we're more open and more willing to just like help others and share our own story that we could, we could do a lot of good. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Marie, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you.
0: People who want to follow your journey, where can they connect with you? Yeah. um, My Instagram is Marie E. Wold. I would say that's kind of like the central hub for me. That's where it all started. But I also do have a podcast that Liz is coming on Mm -hmm. and that is called The Grind and Be Grateful Podcast. And the idea behind it is that with hard work and the right mindset, absolutely anything is possible. And we talk all things, um, personal development, whether it be wellness, fitness, mindset, really Relationships, um things like that so we had a really f- good chat um that'll be on my show and then my new website will hopefully be live that'll be mariewold.com and i'm also on youtube if you search mariewold so i i do all the things and have all the content and i would love to see you um over there yes all right yeah. thank you so much thank you Thank you guys so much for spending your time with me on the Grind and Be Grateful podcast. I'm so happy that we were able to hang out and share some good vibes today. It would mean the absolute world to me if you could take one second to share this episode with someone who you think would love it. And please leave the show or review on iTunes if you're enjoying it. Tell me what you think. Let me know what you want to hear more of. It would really help me out on my mission to educate and empower women to become their very best selves and create more content that you're going to love. Thank you again for listening and supporting the show. And until next time, don't forget to grind and be grateful, my friends.